millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back. Coming up on this week's show, we discuss which is better, seeing games in person or on television. Peacock makes a U-turn and adds a feature back for soccer fans. We discuss the magic of the FA Cup. Our Univision gets into the streaming business. Plus, we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Kartik Krishnayar. Kartik, for those listeners uh, who haven't uh, had a chance to listen to this podcast in the past before... We do a deep dive uh, for hardcore soccer fans into the world of watching soccer, whether it's on uh, television, streaming, apps, etc. Answering a lot of questions, talking about the things we like, talking about the things we don't like, and uh, kind of wrapping up um, the whole experience of watching soccer. Whether it's, uh, well, you mostly, right, it's, uh, I'm not going to say live, but live on television or live on streaming. And that's where we're going to start this week uh, first is talking about the world of television, talking about watching games. And Kartik, um, to start off with, and I'll put you on the spot here, but um, what are some of the, the major stadiums around the world that you've seen a live professional soccer match at? Some of the, the, the big names that uh, listeners might be familiar with. Uh, not that many, actually. Uh, I well, let me let me go. Let me, yeah. Well, let me go first because I, I, I already. I mean, I, I had a few in mind just because. Um, I mean, so both you and I have been to Wembley, right? I mean, separately. Yeah. Um, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, uh, Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge. Uh, where else have I been to? I've been to the Emirates Stadium. Uh, we went to uh, Germany and we went to uh, Schalke Stadium. Which is you mean like a kind of an in- I arena, which was is probably my favorite stadium I've been to. Um, we went to that one, and and the reason I mentioned this though too, I mean, the Orange Bowl, the old Orange Bowl in Miami. The reason I mentioned this is that a lot of these are cathedrals of soccer. You mean they're built uh, not specifically for soccer in some cases, but but they're built to have uh, fans capacities of. 60,000, 70,000, 80,000 in, in, uh, in some regards. But just watching this past week, uh, watching um, one of the games from Old Trafford and just seeing this massive cathedral for soccer that's built, that has, what, 76,000 empty seats that's made for uh, ticket revenue. It's made for match day revenue. And just seeing it empty uh, just kind of drove home the, the the thinking the situation that we're in right now, which is that, um, I think the the elite soccer leagues around the world are able to survive based on TV revenue, 
and right. it, go back go back say 30 years if you said it 30 years ago okay uh we're gonna have one entire year of no fans in the stadium i think most clubs and probably most leagues would would have gone out of business by now yeah i agree yeah so 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 that that's the thing we're, we're at right now is that uh i guess the elite uh, leagues in the world so the premier league the bundesliga uh, Liga MX and uh, Liga and Serie A and you, you go down the list. They're able to survive uh, after twelve months uh, with no fans in the stadium, practically, and they're surviving really based on TV revenue. The the challenge, I think, for twenty twenty one, I think Kartik is that we can pretty much, I think, at this stage, almost write off the entire year uh, in terms of. You mean when when do you think there will be fans? in full capacity back in stadiums at this point? Not in 2021, I don't think. Um, I think it'll be 2022 at some point. And even that's optimistic in a way, though, too, because you mean you kind of think about it and think that um, as far as how slow the rollout is of the vaccinations, uh, how long it'll take... Um, you mean everyone to get to a point, and, and and actually that's the thing about the vaccinations. It's not uh, it's not mandatory, right? It's it's uh, it's voluntary. If you want to get go ahead and get it done, you can. If you if you don't want to, you don't have to. Um, I I think this is going to go on for years, Kartik. Um, definitely past twenty twenty two. Well, in terms of uh, in terms of people, I I don't think. Uh the actual industry of people going to sporting events will ever fully recover. I, I think that there will be a 10 or 15% drop-off in attendances from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic. At least, at least, yeah. maybe, maybe at least. even more than that. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing, though, too. I mean, like, I know that I myself, um, if Swansea was back back in action, uh, playing in front of, of uh, full capacities, I, I'm mad enough of a soccer fan, um, mental enough in many ways, that I would go back. I would go back to those games and I would take that risk, even taking all the precautions, you mean, and, and testing and, and everything. Um, but I'm not. I'm not the average sports fan. I, th- I think the majority of fans would probably say, "Hey, uh, maybe maybe I'll wait a while, or I'll wait a few years." And and even then, I mean, how many years is it going to take before? Uh, the general public gets back to a point where it's, you I mean, it's not even a thought. You I mean, they just walk into a stadium thinking, okay, there's no, there's no concern here. There's, there's nothing to worry about. It's just a natural thing. I think that could take years and years and years. Yeah. So, so the, so the leagues that are at peril or they're at, are at danger in terms of this lost revenue that rely heavily on uh, ticket revenue, you look at you look at the lower leagues, right? You look at um, League One, League Two in England. Um, you look at some of these second divisions. You, you look at um, lower league in the US, as far as USL. And this week, uh, one of the teams uh, was at North Carolina, uh, deciding to, to take a step down, like not not to uh, play out the the USL uh, the, the championship or USL division one they, yeah they've gone from the championship to, to league one yes so so I, I, and then I, you have to mention major league soccer right Kartik I think 
You mean for 2021, if this year is going to be a write-off, if it's going to be where you aren't going to get a huge number of fans attending games, um, you mean that's that's an, an, another year, a second year in a row of, of a massive revenue hit? And, and also, too, if you look at this summer, you mean if the Gold Cup happens, the Gold Cup, the, the real draw of the Gold Cup uh, for CONCACAF, who hosts the tournament, is ticket revenue. You mean Mexico against US or uh, a lot of the, the teams from um, Central and North America playing, selling out stadiums. Imagine a Gold Cup without any fans in the stadiums or, or a Gold Cup with uh, limited capacity, right? Or, or, yeah. or Copa America. Copa America is supposed to be played this summer. Euro 2020 is supposed to be played in, what, 12 countries this summer? Um, yeah. So I think UEFA is going to take hits. CONCACAF is going to take hits. Um, I think everyone's going to take a hit un- unless you're a league or a tournament that gets massive amounts of money from t- from TV revenue, which which isn't everyone. So 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 sorry to be the bearer of bad news, Kartik. But it, this is one thing that came to came to me thinking about that uh, uh, this that uh, today. Is there any positives though that we can look at for um, for this year? You think in terms of um, these leagues or the opportunities to maybe to to bounce back? In terms of fan attendance, no, none. But but you know, one of the things that um, apparently for League One, League Two teams in the UK and in England that. Uh, is being discussed is if you can only have limited attendance, if you can only have 2000 or 4,000, depending what tier you're in and who knows the tiers may get reworked again. We've obviously, uh, there was no such thing as tier four, right? And then, uh, London ended up being put in it, right? Because it was, things were so bad about a month ago or less than a month ago. The, the big question is, is it worth it for a league one team? To be in in whatever tier three where you can have or tier two where you can have two thousand fans a match and have to open up their grounds, pay staff, go through all of that for two thousand uh, fans and the, the the ticket revenue. There are some people in in uh, the football league who are thinking, you know what, it may be better off if we just don't have fans at all than having the unless we can have full capacity, right? Because right. you still have to incur the cost of opening the stands. The staff. A lot of fans may not think about what isn't what what all is involved in um, in, in staffing and operations costs. I, I having worked in the lower divisions in the U.S., I can tell you uh, <laughs> there are some teams that were better off last season. The fact that they didn't have to open their stadiums up and they were just playing without fans. So. Um, that's uh, uh, that, that. That's not the consideration in England because in England those teams will fill their fill, fill their stadiums or will get uh, g- uh, good attendances. Now Sunderland is not filling their stadium in League One, but the, mo- most of the smaller clubs are the clubs that are really in financial peril if they were able to open their their stands. So I uh, I think that you may even see in League One and League Two a, a situation where um, there are fewer fans than there were in maybe the. Um, the October to uh, to December period of this past year of 2020, and in addition, uh, some more concessions in terms of how teams 
uh, travel, uh, the way they travel, etc. Because it's been very costly because of the COVID protocols uh, to, 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 to charter buses uh, to, to get each. Uh, if you're having in the cases that, let's say, again, Sunderland, uh, Sunderland is in the same league as Swindon, right? So they go they go across absolutely across the country as far as you can go in England. Uh, there, there's the issue of, um, or Portsmouth, that's a great example, Portsmouth and Sunderland, uh, that, that you have to sometimes stay overnight, uh, and each individual player is having to have an individual hotel room under the COVID protocol. So uh, that's that'll be cut out, things like that, in order to cut costs. But no, we're not going to see any normalcy, I think, until 2022 at the earliest. Yeah, I think one of the concerns, though, actually for me, a big concern is that, say, a League One or League Two club, and this could be in England, or this could be the US, this could be um, the USL level, League One or League Two, if a club says, you know what, for this season, uh, with no fans in the stadium, we're actually financially better off in, in not playing the games. Um, yeah. The the, the the jeopardy with, with that, though, is that those teams could go out of business. You I mean, it becomes almost like a non-entity where that team doesn't exist. I mean, yes, it exists as a business, but it's not actually running as a business because it's not able to operate. Um, and, and then ever, everything from sponsorship revenue in terms of just the reach that they have, I mean, everything's on a decline. So when they do come back, even though it... it it may make financial sense the amount of uh, you mean money they'd have to put back in to actually get the team going again and, and get fans excited and get sponsors on board um, could be one of those things where it's one step forward but like three steps back and then one step forward it, it, it could be a very difficult situation and yeah so I think that that's where we're at is is that um, maybe a month ago or maybe two months ago, we were talking about Major League Soccer and saying that uh, MLS was mentioning, I think Don Garber mentioned, March as a start date. And I think both you and I said that's very optimistic. We were thinking, I think, uh, May. I mean, May seemed more realistic in terms of the way things were heading. Now, going back to soccer, relating this back to soccer and television, is that what this last 12 months has shown us is that for some, most of the major soccer leagues around the world, they can survive without fans. They, they can survive uh, on TV revenue. Uh, the big question is when these next TV deals uh, come up for bid, does that value increase or decrease um, with, with fans not in the stadium? Um, I think it remains the same. If, if anything, it's probably as long as the games keep on playing, it's actually more valuable because you I mean it's it's entertainment. It's something that that people can watch. But going back to our initial question, uh, we went off on a tangent. But my initial question, Kartik, is which is better? You I mean seeing games in person or seeing games in tele on television? Do you have a, a, a personal preference? Uh. I think I prefer watching games on television, but the, uh, uh, the, the, the truth be told, I mean, I'm the wrong person to ask. I don't think I've actually attended a, a football match where I've been in uh, the stands in over a decade. 
Well, you've you've been to Him Himishi FC. You've been to well, yeah, yeah, Boca, right? Yeah, yeah. Boca. It's, I mean, literally. I mean, I'm in the press box, so it's 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 a different experience. right. But you, you've been in the stadium. I mean, you've been in a working capacity, but you've been yeah, going true. to strikers been games. The, I've been on the field actually. Now, now that I come to think of it, there there've been matches I've actually been on the pitch uh, or on the touchline, I should say. Uh, yeah, I prefer watching it on television these days. If the tele, okay, let me dial that back. I prefer watching the Premier League and the Bundesliga on television because the production level is really good. And you get good camera angles and there's good camera work. Now, for matches in the U.S., I've always felt like I'm missing something because the camera work hasn't been as good. It hasn't been as intelligent. You don't have as many cameras. The production isn't as good. I think MLS may have crossed that bridge with the uh, – the uh, Disney tournament where they had more camera angles and there was better camera work and stuff being done that hadn't been done before. But historically in the U S the television production level wasn't very good. And uh, you're missing guys making runs off the ball. You're missing uh, some of these things that, 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 that I like to observe when watching a match, the, the, the role of a number six, that sort of stuff uh, in those television productions. But again, for the premier league, the Bundesliga, I would include uh, the football league in that. I think Serie A's broadcasts have gotten better. I think Liga A's broadcasts have gotten better, although now, you know there are now media issues mm-hmm. with uh, Liga uh, with their domestic media partner, which that's probably not of interest to the U.S. audience. But uh, I don't know if the television production is going to take a step back. And then uh, Spain's uh, TV production's gotten better, also. I think for European matches, I prefer watching them on television because I see a lot a lot of the things off the ball that I like to see. The commentary is good. The production level is really good. It's funny because um, uh, this past week, watching even some uh, Eredivisie games, so the Dutch league, the production level on those games is, is fantastic. You mean the, the, yeah. the pre-match, uh, the graphics, you mean, and, and, and that's the thing just overall. I mean, I love going to soccer games, don't get me wrong, but oftentimes I feel like I'm missing out. Like if I was at home watching the same game, um, the production level, the, the camera angles zoomed in, the replays of an incident that was controversial, um, all the kind of effects and all the, all, all the, the benefits of that, to me, uh, often outweigh the, the experience of being there. I mean, I've, I've been to games where I've watched it in person and I had a great time. And then maybe the next day or later that day, I watched it on, on, on television. And I'm like, wow, this feels like a completely different experience. I, I missed a whole bunch of things yeah. in person um, that I didn't realize happened, but I see it on television. I, I'm, at, I'm the same point. I think I'm the same, same as you, Kartik, where... Now, nowadays, I think I, I prefer watching it on television. Every time a World Cup comes up, I always get asked by um, executives from Fox or television, uh, uh, Telemundo or Univision or BN Sports. The first question they always ask me is, hey, Chris, are you going to the World Cup? And I'm like, I'd love to. But actually, for me personally, I can experience the World Cup better uh at home in front of I mean, in my home office, watching all the games on the monitors and enjoying that experience better than being at the World Cup where I can only really focus in, on one game. And even then, you mean, you're in a press box, you can't see everything uh, and you kind of miss out. But the experience of being there is fantastic. I just think we're at a level now with, with television that the production's so good for the most part um, where it, it is so much better watching it 
online or on television, which which is crazy to think that we've come that far. Which which is which is actually a really good uh, kind of uh, plus for for that that experience of watching it on television. All right, Kartik. So that's our first segment talking about the topic of the week, which is uh, which is better, watching games on television or in person. We definitely want to hear from you, the listeners, uh, your thoughts, your observations, your experiences. So um, a little bit later, we'll, we'll, we'll share the, the contact info to uh, go ahead and, and let us know what you think. Moving on to the next sec- section of the podcast, and that's what we've been watching from this past week. Uh, for me, Kartik, I'll go first, and actually, I'll, I'll read out one of the um, the, the listener mailbag, um, which which mentions my game of the week, and this is from Don, and Don says, "Please, please, please discuss the VAR issues in the River Plate second leg Copa Libertadores against Palmeiras. Oh my God, what what a match! But this one um, will be talked about for the three VAR checks that all went against River Plate." Two of them took away penalty kicks when the match was uh, uh, 2-0, um, but 3-2 on aggregate. If this isn't the, the match of the week, I would be surprised. From minute one all the way to the final whistle, a bunch of yellows and one red card. And I, wa- I watched this game. I watched it actually uh, twice. I watched uh, a little bit of it on the BBC, um, which had uh, Nigel Riacocca as one of the, the co-commentators, uh, live and also watched it on Being Sports and it had uh, Phil Shane as the commentator, a solo commentary by Phil Shane. Um, both were a little bit different, even though it was the same game. Uh, the audio was better on BBC. They actually kind of turned up the, the crowd noise so you could actually, well, it's fake crowd noise, but it felt more like a um, an international game. It felt a better atmosphere. And then but Being Sports had Phil Shane, who's a fantastic commentator, but this game was out of this world. Uh, definitely this past couple of weeks, especially in the Premier League, a lot of the games have felt very laborious. Um, but this one was just the, the, the level of skill, the level of play, just how good River Plate were in this one. So in the first leg, they had lost uh, 3 nothing to Palmeiras. Pretty much done and dusted. I mean, it looks like Palmeiras is going to go through. And then, Although... In fairness, in uh-huh. that first leg, I, I, I watched both legs also. That first leg, I don't think Palmeiras were three goals better than River. And uh, right. But it was in Buenos Aires, so the assumption was right going back to Brazil. Uh, it was done and dusted. But yeah, so yeah. don't be fooled by the 3 0. But, but River Plate, uh, you mean, I was watching it. You mean, River Plate uh, quickly got up to 2 0, and then it would just push and push and push to try and get uh, to make it. Um, um, Three uh, nil in order to uh, tie up the aggregate score, and had a penalty kick awarded to them. They were getting ready to take the penalty kick, but then va- with a VAR check, they correctly made the right decision and um, decided not to do the penalty. But just a crazy game. But but the level of skill, um, the level of perfection of the passes, just the way the, the uh, River Plate especially played. Uh, Palmeiras on the counter-attack uh, could have put this uh, game away too, but just an absolutely fantastic game, and I'm really looking forward to the uh, Copa Libertadores final, which will be Palmeiras against um, either Boca Juniors or Santos, but uh, highly recommended, fantastic game. Kartik, what about you? What was your uh, match of the week? 
Well, uh, Santos were very negative in the first leg, so uh, they were. Uh, I uh, I have to say, I don't watch that much South American football. I, I liked what I saw from both Boca and River, and in, 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 and uh, have not liked what I've seen from Palmares and and uh, Santos in terms of style. So uh, a leg up for me for Argentina. Uh, I know typically I, the impression is Brazil has a stronger league, but I, I really have, have enjoyed the football coming from the Argentine sides. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, since you picked that match, that was uh, definitely a consideration for me. I'll go back uh, a few days to uh, to Gladbach and Bayern, which started the weekend, and that was a match where Bayern Bayern is allowing other teams to score first in matches. This is the first time they scored first. They scored the first two goals, had a very fortunate penalty. And then just uh, got opened up after that. And uh, Gladbach are a side that have not been playing particularly well consistently this season, although they got through their Champions League group, right? The group of death and uh, barely got through it, but they got through it and finished second in that group. Uh, Marcus Taram has been suspended for the last several matches, so he wasn't there for this match. But this was a very, very uh, uh, entertaining match. Now, in fairness, I think it was down to these Copa Libertadores matches and this Friday Bundesliga match for me because, Chris, with this uh, new Apple TV box that we talked about last week and now figuring out how to do the multi-match setup, I don't think there was a single match outside of the Copa Libertadores ties because they're at uh, 6, 6 p.m. our local time here, 7 p.m. our local time in Florida, and uh, this one Friday Bundesliga match, which didn't have any uh, other match going on at the same time that I watched exclusively, right? I had mm-hmm. a, and I think I tweeted it out at one point. I had a Serie A match on my screen with a Bundesliga match and a Premier League, uh, no, F- FA, FA Cup match, right? And then I think maybe there was a second Serie A match, uh, or and then. Later, I was getting on Fubo and doing something similar with Fubo, um, where I had uh, Liga and uh, and and uh, uh, La Liga matches. So, um, truthfully, I there I watched probably about thirty or forty matches, parts of them this weekend, and only watched three matches totally straight through the two Copa Libertadores uh, uh, first leg ties and well the second leg of River also. So that's three, and then this uh, Gladbach Bayern match. I have to mention, Kartik, that the the Marine FC game against Tottenham Hotspur, uh, this was incredible to watch. And, and, and to me, it really sums up the magic of the FA Cup. To me, the magic of the FA Cup these days is not about uh, giant killing. It is not about uh, shock results. It is not about uh, amazing performances. The magic of the FA Cup at this stage, at this point, is really kind of the, the David against the Goliath when you have a a non-league side going up against a Premier League side or a, a top level side and just the the romanticism about it seeing uh, this tiny stadium seeing all of the the backyards the back gardens kind of uh, uh, adjacent to the pitch seeing how small the stadium is uh, seeing that Tottenham Hotspur had to change in the the bar of the 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 actual stadium because there was uh, not enough uh, room in in the changing rooms, um, and and actually the, the TV coverage was great too. During this game, I think a lot of people fell in love with Marine FC, but there was a lot of comments on uh, social media about like, well, why doesn't the U.S. Open Cup get this level of attention? Like, why are people uh, raving about Marine FC when 
the US Open Cup is has been around for just as long in terms of a tournament. What, what's your take on that, Kartik? Because the Open Cup is. Uh, He's, look, I, I go through this every year. As someone who's worked in the lower divisions, I'll have to tell you it's a it's a loss leader. You don't you. It's not like you get. It's not like you have Manchester United in in Major League Soccer or uh, or, uh, or Liverpool, right? Or, or, or a club of that stature. So they're midweek games. So first off, none of the matches are on weekends. They're midweek games in bet- in the middle of a season. Right. Uh, you, generally, you'll have a game the previous Saturday or Sunday, and then you have a game the following Saturday or Sunday. And, and the U.S. Open Cup matches are Tuesday or Wednesday. You find out your opponent one week in advance, and, and uh, if you win, you then play the next week. So you only have a week to sell the match in terms of selling tickets, promoting the match locally, and at the same time, you've got a league game that weekend. It just doesn't it doesn't work. I, I'm actually someone who is an advocate. I applauded Chattanooga FC the year they withdrew from the U.S. Open Cup when they thought it was cost prohibitive and they were in the process of, of changing leagues. Uh, I... Um, I wish the tournament was something. I, I'm an advocate for the tournament being a big deal and being like the FA Cup or like the uh, like, like like the Copa del Rey or the German Cup, etc. But the way it's structured now by U.S. Soccer, it's actually a loss leader. It's great for amateur clubs, and I, I've been around amateur clubs that have qualified for the Open Cup. Uh, there's an amateur club I'm, I'm I'm helping now that has qualified for the 2021 Open Cup. It's really exciting. It's like a Marine FC type club. It's really cool uh, for the amateur clubs, but for the lower division professional sides. It's a loss leader. And, Chris, this is part of the issue now, truthfully, and I thought this was a U.S. Open Cup unique thing. It's now becoming an issue for championship clubs, too, um, mm-hmm. in, in, in England, where they don't necessarily want the extra matches. And uh, they're not, uh, you know, yeah, okay, if they get Liverpool to come there. But then again, most of these clubs are aspirational, and they, they've either recently been in the Premier League or they think they're going to be in the Premier League again really soon. So I, I – I, I, a few years ago, and, and uh, I've had a lot of internal discussions in the clubs and leagues I've worked on about the Open Cup and how, how cost prohibitive it is and how difficult it is for lower division teams. Because I know MLS fans think, oh my gosh, you know, you're bringing Seattle into your town or Atlanta. Well, these, this is a, Seattle Sounders are not Manchester United. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they may be very popular in the United States among U.S. soccer fans, but it did, it, you're, not, you're not guaranteed to sell out a stadium and you have to. And remember, most lower division teams play in rented facilities also in the U.S. So you have to open a stadium up. You have to rent the stadium. You have to sell tickets. You have to market the match. Um, but I'm finding in the, a lot of championship teams, well, this year we don't know because there were there were no fans. But last year, if you remember, you would see championship clubs host FA Cup matches and have significantly lower numbers of fans than they did for their regular championship matches. And that was an indication to me the FA Cup is going the same direction as the U.S. Open Cup. And, and we know most a great deal of managers, they, they, they think it's a throwaway. They'd rather just get out of the competition if they're fighting relegation or if you're in the championship and you're pushing for promotion. It was funny because there was a lot of uh, soccer fans on Twitter and social media that seemed to be dumbfounded. Uh, and, I, and I thought it was pretty funny, just that they were dumbfounded. How can Marine FC and the FA Cup you mean, get the attention of everyone and everyone be talking about it? And then meanwhile, we have this US Open Cup and they completely ignore it. I think for many of the reasons that you stated, Kartik, those are completely valid. The, the one additional thing I would add is that... Um, 
outside of the the United States, I don't think the U.S. Open Cup is televised. You mean so the FA Cup is a global event? You mean so Marine FC is a story that uh, fans around the world would have been watching this? You mean Australia, Africa, Asia, parts of South America would, would be watching FA Cup games? And falling in love with the story, falling in love with with the whole magic of of the FA Cup, uh, the U.S. Open Cup. I think most soccer fans, even in this country, don't even know that it, it exists. And you I mean outside of the U.S. I mean uh, maybe Canada would, but outside of the U.S., I mean nobody knows this thing even exists. So to compare the two is is really but, but even- ridiculous. Truthfully, I don't know that people who are very focused on English football, and that's a lot of American fans, right, and who don't really follow other continental uh, domestic football and other con- uh, nations on the continent, uh, quite get the FA Cup is, is a special competition even compared to the other domestic cup competitions uh, in major European countries that, that play football. The, the French right. Cup is not that big a deal. The uh, uh, the Copa Italia is not that big a deal. Okay, it's, it's silverware, but it's not that big a deal. Even the Copa del Rey in the recent years has become less and less significant. Although, uh, interestingly enough, though, Barcelona and Real Madrid, I think, have taken it a little more seriously recently than they used to, although Atleti just bombed out of it, right? In the way, I mean, that was uh, uh, pretty stunning. But the domestic cup competitions in general um, are not what they once were, and I think the FA Cup uh, remains on kind of a pedestal compared to other uh, other domestic cups. They're just almost throwaway uh, competitions. Now, in Germany, it'll be very exciting. My... Uh, my uh, internet was down earlier, so I, I was not able to finish watching the Bayern match. But they were defeated uh, by a second division club uh, in the uh, in the German Cup, so they're out, uh, which makes things, I think, a little more interesting in that cup competition. But again, that cup competition is uh, is something the DF uh, the DFB has tried to promote, um, but it's not uh, yeah. it's it's not a huge deal. <clears throat> But yeah, and even in the United States too, this is a competition that's usually on ESPN three, um, and sometimes on ESPN Deportes. So it's it is one that usually, uh, unless it's the final, the final might be on an ESPN two or ESPN News. But uh, oftentimes it's it's a little bit harder to find. Yeah, and they they uh, have moved matches to to uh, linear television if Dortmund plays uh, uh, Bayern, right? right? But otherwise, they haven't, right? It's generally been on ESPN three or so, Deportes. So we, before we move on to TV streaming news, um, I'm going to steal this one, Kartik. But in terms of our viewing recommend, recommendations for this weekend, I'm going to steal yours, which is I'm sorry, uh, which is would have been mine anyway, and that's Liverpool against Manchester United. Um, I'm biased on this one in terms of you mean being a fan of English football, but this really it promises to be a massive match, just because of the uh, the rivalry between Liverpool and Man United for not just for this title, but historically speaking, uh, over the what the last hundred years or so, uh, this should be a massive match, and it's live. It's live on Peacock, Peacock only for this one. So. Um, going to be a lot of pissed off people <laughs> this weekend, but it should be a great game. What, what about you as far as your pick? 
Okay, so since you, you took that one, I'll go Atleti and Valencia. Uh, Atleti is uh, continuing to get results in the league. I mentioned the cup uh, failure. Uh, Kieran Trippier, I thought, was their man of the match the other day. That was another match I watched with other matches going on at the same time, that Atleti match. Uh, but he, he's now facing this, uh, this 12-week ban. Right, I believe it's a twelve-week ban for wow. uh, for uh, um, well, it, betting. Right, I've actually read the. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into it. I've actually read the, uh, the, the, the 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 case that was made against him by, by the Spanish FA. I, I'm not compelled by it. I think he he's just he was just telling some mates. If, uh, you would if you're going to move, if you're going to leave London and go move to Madrid, which is what he was doing, leaving Spurs and going to Madrid, you probably are going to tell your mates and uh, and. And I don't think he had any intent to then say, hey, uh, hey, uh, I'm forgetting that there were two mates involved. Uh, the, the guy's name, hey, go, 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 uh, uh, put, put down a bet on where I'm moving type of thing. So I thought he was kind of framed. But I think that, that they're in this position where when his band finally, after the appeal, it, once he finally has to serve the band, uh, they're going to have a harder time. Uh, he's played every minute right back this season in the league. So uh, they're going to need to get results. Valencia is um, a hit or miss side. We know that. But th- I think they're pretty entertaining to watch. So that, I believe, is Saturday at uh, 3 Eastern on VN, I think, if I if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I can look that one up. But, um, but yeah, Atleti playing yeah, some... Yeah, that's the match I'll pick. Actually, actually it's, it's on... Um... Actually, it's it's on in a couple of weeks. It's it's on Sunday, January twenty fourth at three p.m. So because I think this weekend it's uh, the Supercopa uh, in Spain. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I that's right, 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 right. So so I want to see how Atleti does in the league when when we get back to league play. Um, if Trippier is playing, so yeah, for this weekend maybe the Supercopa. Uh, we which by the way this year in Spain is is interesting also. So maybe let me make that my pick because they, what they're doing is that they've turned the Supercopa into a four team competition, which. Uh, <laughs> I think it's like it's like another cup competition now. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't understand why they did that, but that's also the offset for the fact that they got rid of uh, the the dual leg Copa del Rey ties. So by the way, also the Copa del Rey is now different. Remember, it used to be prior to this year two legs, two legs, two legs. Now they've added uh, additional teams to the Supercopa de, de España. And they have uh, changed the Copa del Rey format. So, yeah, that's right. This week is Super Copa week. I was looking at La Liga fixtures for the following week. I apologize. That's so, right. That's right. Um, yeah, that's... So watch the Super Copa de España, which I believe is also on uh, BN or is that on ESPN? No, that's uh, ESPN. So I think ESPN... Yeah. Uh... Well, well, actually, that's probably a, a good shout out to Kartik for the uh, the Soccer TV Schedules app, which uh, is powered by World Soccer Talk. So if you go to the Google Play Store or to the Apple App Store, iOS Store, uh, you can download it for free. It has all of the TV schedules for the next two weeks. So TV schedules and streaming schedules. You can filter by uh, Supercopa uh, de España, or you can filter by whatever league or tournament uh, you want. You can also favorite uh, your favorite teams, and it'll show you uh, the upcoming TV listings for them, as well as streaming listings. So, so that that's probably the best way to go if if you're uh, looking ahead the next couple of weeks as far as what games that you want to watch. Now, moving on to the uh, TV streaming news section, Kartik, and this is one 
which is great news. Peacock, uh, uh, thumbs up, I guess, right? Yeah, so Peacock has reversed themselves, Chris, and they are now going to include Premier League TV matches on demand uh, that are Peacock matches. So if you remember what they had done is that you could still get the NBC uh, linear matches uh, later on demand, but they had taken the Peacock matches, which already there are functionality issues with I, pausing, it's a, winding. It, it's actually the other way around, Kartik. So, so they they had the on demand of the Peacock games, but the games that they uh, made not available uh, were the ones on NBCSN right, or, right, or NBC right, Sports. Right, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So now they've reversed themselves, and those are now available on demand once again. Um, but. Uh, again, there are some functionality issues with Peacock that uh, I, I experienced again yesterday during uh, uh, which match was it? Wolves and uh, Wolves and Everton. Everton. Right. I, I, I had to uh, I had to try. I wanted to try and pause the match, and I wasn't able to. And I just had to keep let it. Well, run. yeah, yeah. There's no pause button. There's no pause. Yeah, there's no it. rewind. There's no fast forward. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because I mean, if you're watching a match like that on a regular. Uh, on on linear television with a DVR, uh, which is not provided obviously by NBC. Or if you have Comcast, like you do, it is provided by Comcast. Yeah, it, it's it's very different. It's very easy. So Peacock, I was reminded yesterday, is not like uh, an OTT service like ESPN Plus or uh, whichever you know CBS uh, All Access, etc. It's effectively just a streaming service. You right. can't pause it. You can't do anything with it. Uh, but yeah, but good news is that these on-demand matches uh, from linear television are back on Peacock. Exactly. All right. And uh, the next news item is that a, uh, a media research company named uh, Kagan has reported that the average number of streaming services that American households subscribe to has now gone up to 31 so the average American household, 3.1 streaming services. That's up from 2.7 last year. Uh, for me, I, I, for me, I'm probably up to like, I don't know, seven or eight or nine. I, I mean, a lot of the times I'm, I'm, I need it to watch soccer. Uh, sometimes I need it for research purposes like HBO Max or some of the, the ones that uh, may not have soccer yet. DAZN is another one where I'm just kind of uh, looking at it, seeing it as far as pluses minuses and and being familiar with it but um yeah so the average household is 3.1 um in one other news item and this is a big one too uh univision the spanish language broadcaster uh tuesday announced um uh, they're going to launch a streaming service called prende tv it's going to launch in the first quarter of 2021 and it will join the crowded streaming market with a free ad-supported service uh, created specifically for the U.S. Hispanic audience. It's going to feature premium 100% Spanish-language programming, uh, debuting with o- over 30 channels and 10,000 hours of video-on-demand content in Spanish from global partners. It sounds a lot like Peacock as far as it being free, um, I, I guess well, Peacock is is what five bucks if you're not a Comcast uh, subscriber or not a, a Cox yeah. subs- subscriber. But it sounds well, it actually sounds more like Pluto t- Pluto TV, which is free and is ad supported. Um, 
I haven't found out yet in terms of the soccer programming, what their plans are there. But in the graphics that they're using to promote Prende TV, it has pictures of uh, Tigris. So uh, I'd imagine that some of the uh, Liga MX games, whether they're live or on demand, will be available on this uh, streaming service. Yeah, my understanding is Univision is going to require signups, and you're going to have to sign up for a like a traditional streaming service. Uh, however, uh, it, it will be free and ad supported, but uh, that way they get they have all your information, and you're you're technically a member or a subscriber. All right, listen to mailbag. First up is Guam ninety four. And Guam94 says, I'd love to know a little more about the gaffer and Kartik. For example, do you watch other sports, favorite movie or, or TV show, anything else you'd like to tell us? Uh, I'll go first on this one, Kartik, just because uh, I think I, I had a heads up about this one uh, earlier. So um, favorite TV show for me is uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, I'm a big fan of Larry David's sense of humor. Uh, usually for television, I, I like kind of a little bit quirky, kind of uh, a little bit different, surreal, kind of far out stuff. Um, same with movies too. Movies for the most part. Um, some of my favorite movies are like Cinema Paradiso or any of the Alfred Hitchcock movies. Um, but I'm always kind of looking for something that's uh, a little bit quirky, a little bit different. Um, and I'm probably the same way about soccer too. Uh, as far as uh, other sports, that that's easy. For me, really, um, while I appreciate other sports, I'm like 100% soccer. So if I'm not watching soccer on television, which is probably two, two to three games a day now, um, I'm going with my kids to soccer practice or watching their games. Um, so for me and my life and my family, it, it is primarily soccer 100%. I know for you, Kartik, it's a little bit different, but uh, how about you? So t tell us about yourself uh, for, for Guam94 and, and other listeners. Yeah, so I uh, I don't really watch other sports. I mean, I, I know a lot about other sports, but I not, well, okay, I don't know anything about the NFL or the uh, NHL or Major League Baseball anymore. I used to watch all of those sports. I never really was a big NHL fan. I am still knowledgeable about college sports and college football, but I even found in a uh, discussion I got into the other day or a couple of weeks ago when I was uh, uh, saying – you know, in defense of Major League Soccer, it stuns me that all these people who say they won't watch MLS regular season, this is not a shot at you, Chris, because you don't watch college football either, um, but that say they won't watch the MLS regular season because nothing's on the line, watch so much college football when literally there is nothing on the line in that sport. And then they have all these exhibition matches at the end of the season, which is what bowl games are. They're 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 cash grabs right they, they have no meaning other than uh now they have a playoff right but for years they didn't now but the playoff only has four teams so the other 60 teams or whatever that play in bowl games are playing in exhibition games and got into a big argument and i realized once i got into a big argument with all these uh, pro rel fans who hate mls but seem to like college football um I realize I don't really watch college sports anymore that I think I do because I'm knowledgeable about the history of the sports and can cite historical things because of the historical appreciation. But I may watch one or two matches a year, one or two college football games a year. I might watch uh, uh, five or six college basketball games a year. 
uh, more basketball than football, but I don't really watch other sports. I do, however, watch every golf major still. So I'll watch the Masters. I'll watch the Open Championship. I'll watch the U.S. Open. I'll watch the PGA. So that's uh, the other sport I watch. In terms of TV shows, uh, I don't watch any TV shows. Um, I guess maybe occasionally like the Ted Lasso's, these kind of serialized uh, uh, shows that are on uh, that are on Netflix and uh, Prime, etc., uh, so can't really answer the question there on movies. I watch tons of movies. In fact, it's funny you mentioned Hitchcock, Chris. I've got Vertigo playing right now. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, what a movie. Yeah. And I got Vertigo in 4K. I paid to get it in 4K. I love Hitchcock films. I own uh, in, di- in digital formats now most of the Hitchcock films. Uh, the man... Uh, the Man Who Knew Too Much, uh, uh, North by Northwest. I just mentioned Vertigo. Uh, the the uh, the oh gosh, the Henry Fonda Vera Mills film. That's a Hitchcock film. I love that one too, and I own that. I'm forgetting what it's uh, uh, what that's called. But yeah, so I have I own I watch a number of Hitchcock films. I have every Bond movie in 4K now. <laughs> that's how much money I've spent on that. You don't want to know. So all 25 <laughs> Bond uh, Bond films, beginning with Doctor No, ending with uh, uh, Spectre. Uh, all the currently released Bond films. I have those all in 4K. I'm a big Bond fan. Uh, I am a big fan of uh, uh, of uh, 60s and, and uh, 70s movies. Mm-hmm. Got a number of those that I own and uh and just movies in general and i love uh casablanca i love uh i love mr smith goes to washington uh so i'm just a, i'm just a film buff and like chris chris you neglected to mention this because obviously guam 94 didn't ask us about this you and i are both big rock music fans and i guess that's uh, a lot of my movies uh, for example i love scorsese films uh, and I, I think I own every Martin Scorsese film, whether it's digitally or on DVD, partly because of his affection for rock music and how he works rock music into his. Even if you watch Casino, which I watched again recently, uh, he the, the the music he works into uh, into the film, and, and same thing with Goodfellas and 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 so many of the other. And uh, The Departed is a Scorsese film, so um, I, I think a lot of this. Uh, Chris, like with you, is driven by uh, my my interest in music, and I think that's some of it's the same with you. Yeah, the the, the funny thing, Kartik, is we've we've probably lost some listeners <laughs> uh, this week. For you mean like that's the thing about uh, I mean movies are very very subjective, as is soccer. Um, and as is music, and it's one of those things that I, I know you're a massive uh, Beatles fan. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a big Beatles fan too, but you, you're on a whole other level in terms of that and Paul McCartney, etc. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I'm more of a um, 80s music fan, so New Order, uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Pet Shop Boys, you know, in, uh, Human League. Uh, the cult. I mean, eighties eighties music. Uh, I love uh, as well as well as. Uh, I mean, uh, dance music, electronic music. Um, I'm pretty much like most music, but um, but there you go, Guam. There's there's some uh, some uh, some some details about like us a little bit more. And Guam, just just to expand on that, uh, more recent films. I guess the, fi- the, my, the the recent films I've loved have been Bohemian Rhapsody, Blinded by the Light, Yesterday, and uh, what was the name of the Elton John movie? Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Rocket Man, right? Right, because they, because if it's if it's some sort of uh, modern film with a rock music, classic rock music take, I'll fall for the film. So if you if I were to name my favorite. Um, 
my favorite non kind of political movies because uh, the post would probably be my favorite recent movie and and uh also uh the other tom hanks movie which uh uh was uh the the, the spy uh the the bridge of spies uh, it would be right. anything that involves rock music so and and you may be similar that way i mean the music kind of drives fandom in in movies as well yeah like like 24 hour party people which is kind of uh talking about uh joy division and new order yeah. and, and the hacienda um, definitely, my favorite movie from Hitchcock. One more is is um, is Rear, Rear Window, and and oh, yeah. and that I can watch over and over again. That that's to me a, a classic. So so listeners, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, uh, to watch that one, definitely check it out. Next up is Adolfo. Adolfo, back to soccer, Kotick. Adolfo says, really enjoy your podcast. Great analysis and good conversation on soccer. My question is, what do you gentlemen see? Uh, on the future of Major League Soccer with their current television deals, which are a joke, and the low ratings, how will they be able to survive? Are they planning something huge that no one knows about? Or will they hold on to hope and pray that the 2026 World Cup will put the world's eye eye on the league? So that, that's a great question. I think I think I mean the reality of the situation is globally when you look at uh, soccer leagues globally is major league soccer might be ninth, tenth or eleventh maybe in terms of kind of their 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 level um both financially but also kind of the, that that level of how they compete against uh other leagues from around the world so in order even with the 2026 world cup um, the reality is is that if that's a major success uh, and it puts Major League Soccer in the spotlight, which I'm sure it will, especially if the U.S. does well, even then, at the end of the day, there's going to be probably another nine or ten other leagues from around the world that are going to be better. Better in terms of uh, playing level, better in terms of qu- uh, quality of, of the, the actual playing ability. Uh, as well as maybe production and, and other things. So I think the next few years, I mean, it, it really, we talked about in the first segment of this podcast about how 2020 has been a disaster for Major League Soccer financially. Uh, Don Garber mentioning that uh, the league has lost uh, potentially around about a billion dollars of potential revenue that, that could have come in. Otherwise, this year, 2021, is going to be probably just as bad Um if not worse, possibly. I mean, th- th- there's a whole bunch of different ways this could go. There's also the talk about um, possible lockout. Um, I mean, and, and also the, the league may not start the, the new season until potentially maybe April or May, uh, which is a long gap from um, the, the MLS playoffs in, what, November? That's like, what, almost six months of, of no soccer. Uh, as well as um, Soccer United Marketing, which is the the marketing division um, uh, of Major League Soccer, which uh, goes ahead and markets the U.S. Uh, games in terms of friendlies and Mexico friendlies. And if you're not bringing in the revenue from the match day revenue, ticket revenue from that, that's potentially a huge loss there too. And like Adolfo said, that... Um, the, the television deal right now, I wouldn't say it's a joke, but it's not bringing in the money that the, the league needs. And at the same time, too, the, the, the TV ratings have really kind of plateaued. So all the signs point to 
not very optimistic times for Major League Soccer. Um, the thing about the single entity, which we've criticized in the past, is that it can help the team survive. It can buy all these billionaire owners uh, pooling their money together. There's a, the potential that this league can, can still stay afloat and still continue in the future. Um, but overall, I'm pessimistic as far as um, what the, the goal is for Major League Soccer, which is to be one of the top leagues in the world, and the reality, which is that they're way off that mark. And um, and the way that the league is progressing, I don't see that uh, closing the gap anytime soon. Kartik, uh, what about you? Any, any additional thoughts on that? No, I, um, I think that there is a lot of uh, a lot of concern this year, also about now we're getting into rights renewal territory. This current deal expires, as you mentioned, in twenty twenty two. Not sure uh, when the MLS season is going to start this year. There's also some collective bargaining issues. Gon Garber said March. You mentioned that at the beginning of the show. Uh, there, there's a lot of speculation out there right now. Maybe we'll have more of an answer next week for the pod. But they're cognizant of the fact that they need to they need to generate more revenue out, out of television. Uh, Adolfo, at the same time, uh, the situation is an optimum right now. So uh, it's uh, it's. I don't want to say it's a crisis yet for MLS, but they've got a uh, uh, they've got a really a hard year ahead and and uh unlike 2020 where i think everybody gave them a pass now some serious decisions for the future are going to have to be made yeah and the tv deal the new tv deal won't start until 2022 which seems like so far away now i mean you've got uh this season and next season under the current deal and they desperately need a new TV deal now, pronto, uh, with more revenue. And there's no guarantee that um, the next TV deal will be much greater. However, having said that, though, um, with the deal, the TV deal being uh, combined with U.S. soccer, so the rights to um, U.S. soccer men's national team and women's national team games, that's probably the biggest ticket um, for success between now and the 2026 World Cup is Fox and ESPN and Univision and perhaps some other streaming services out there would be interested, CBS maybe, would be interested in Major League Soccer rights because they know that if they, they can get that package, that'll give them access to the U.S. games. And um, that's really where the, the opportunity for much greater TV uh, ratings are as opposed to Major League Soccer, which some games do well, um, but some of those TV ratings kind of peter out. So, yeah, it's it's going to be very difficult, but the next TV deal is going to be massive uh, in in terms of importance. It's more important than ever that this next TV deal bring in the revenue for this league because the, the, the ticket day revenue, the match day revenue from tickets is not going to be there for a while. So owners are going to lose money, and again, that single entity will perhaps uh, protect them. Uh, at the same time, too, they, they've got what millions and millions coming in from uh, new teams being added to the league, and, and that'll certainly help them. All right, next up is Giovanni. Giovanni says, last week's show, um, guys, you talked about the Serie A and the FA Cup TV rights. I disagree it will stay with ESPN+. 
now with a lot more streaming services like CBS, NBC, DAZN, Amazon Prime, and many more, it will be more competition for TV bids. One prediction I have is BN Sports will be out of the US market in five years or less. La Liga TV rights uh, will be available. It will be a bidding war for it. And I, I think it will end up with ESPN. Imagine uh, El Clasico on ESPN, or even better, on ABC television. It would bring in high TV ratings. Finally, when life gets back to normal from the pandemic, uh, World Soccer Talk should have a live streaming studio show on YouTube. Take care, be safe. And Kartik, I think with both you and I uh, working from our home offices and uh, both with both you and I, uh, having children in the house uh, that are doing um, distance learning and, and uh, sometimes it's difficult to actually have the, the time uh, and the, the quietness to go ahead and do a live uh, video um, show. But perhaps in the near future we can do that um, one, of, one of these days. I think that would be yeah, a, lot, a lot of fun. I anticipate Alexa won't be doing dem- d- d- uh, distance learning next school year. I, right. Well, again, we said maybe for uh, football purposes we're off to 2022 so yeah right so maybe maybe, maybe <laughs> next year, year. Yeah, right right so we'll we'll figure it out but yeah i think once um uh, there's no distance learning involved maybe for both you and i there is an opportunity to, to link up and do that sort of studio show during the day but uh yeah. not not at this time unfortunately right yeah that, that definitely would be a lot of fun last but not least and this is a great question this is from bill reese bill says do you see any network challenging univision and Tudo na for more american broadcast rights to liga mx comcast slash nbc slash telemundo would make the most sense because they have the combination of over-the-air cable and OTT platforms in which to air matches, both in Spanish and in English. I've enjoyed uh, watching a few Chivas-Guadalajara matches on Telemundo since they took over the rights last fall. I only wish those games, especially the English uh, simulcast, would be incorporated into Peacock. At the moment, I don't believe they are. Which is correct. So um, that that that's the tricky part too. Is that um, the the games that are shown on Telemundo are not available on Peacock, and uh, if anything, it's actually kind of Peacock is like limited um, the the number of games that are shown uh, in Spanish language. Because if a game is shown, like for for example, Wolves against Everton, normally that would be a great game that. Um, uh, Universo or, or Telemundo would love to show because, I mean, yes, Raul Jimenez is still injured, but that'd be a great game, game to show. But because Peacock was showing it, that means that uh, it's not available on Telemundo or Universo. But going back to Liga Max, though, Kartik, do you see any possibilities for maybe, a, um, whether it's Telemundo or some other, some other broadcasters to get dip their toe in the waters and, and really try to compete against Univision? For, yeah, I, for, I think, for the Mexican League, of course. Right. I think I think the thing that's uh, 
that's challenging here as so many Mexican-Americans are used to watching th- uh, these matches on linear television. So it may not be as easy to pull off uh, and put it on a, on, on a streaming uh, package. Because I thought I, I had this suspicion, especially when they, they, they got uh, were able to show that one uh, that one Chivas match. Remember, on CBS uh, in March, that maybe CBS, given their larger interest in, 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 in soccer now, uh, this would be a natural natural fit at least the English language rights and uh, but I just think it's difficult given the the power of uh, Univision and 2DN or Televisa and Univision in terms of uh, Mexican football and that Televisa has uh, ownership ties even to, to, to some of the prominent clubs but uh, I still think that uh, as the English language intre- interest in, in this league increases uh, someone will make a play for it and maybe uh Bill is right. Maybe it ends up being because of the Telemundo tie-in already with Chivas. Maybe they can pick up a few more clubs or at least the English language rights for a few clubs uh, with two DNA scaling back their English operation, right? And maybe that's it ends up being NBC and Peacock. Yeah, I think um, I don't see anyone outside of uh, Telemundo and Univision really going for it, um, whether it's the Spanish language or the English language rights, just because... Um, I think Univision owns that market. That they own that that viewer, uh, Mexican Americans or, or Americans with me- Mexican heritage, uh, know to to go to Uni- Univision on, on a Saturday night, and the games will be on there. I mean, and and yes, if you're a Chivas fan, yes, you know to go to Telemundo for the home games. My my thing thinking about this though too is that the possibility, perhaps in the future, that. Uh, NBC and um, Comcast really could take Universo and turn that into a sports channel and then actually show a lot more Liga MX games or try to acquire the rights to more Liga MX games and put those games on Universo and make that more into a sports channel where you have Telemundo for the big games as well as the Spanish language programming, but you make Universo kind of the destination spot for for a lot of uh, Mexican games. And, and that's perhaps a possibility in the future, perhaps. But uh, outside of that, I don't see things changing too much. All right, listeners, uh, we want you to have your say. We've covered a lot of topics in this show, uh, but we certainly want to get your feedback and your in- input, questions, observations, or criticisms about uh, Kartik or, or my uh, music or movie tastes or uh, TV shows. Uh, feel free. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk plus of course you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com Kartik, before we go uh, what about Manchester City? Uh, You've been a fan of the team since what, the early 1980s Uh, it's been a roller coaster ride um, over the years What's your outlook for this team? I mean, do you think that uh, they can go all the way? Yeah, more more significantly, the the, uh, the uh, greatest player in the club's history. Although, again, I'm dated, so uh, in my uh, life and, and being able to watch clips, uh, the greatest player in, in the club's history, Colin Bell, uh, passed away this past week, uh, and uh, it, that uh, uh, I think was a shock to the. 
to the Manchester City community and to the greater Manchester community. I mean, obviously, uh, even uh, United fans had so much respect for him and, and the, the period of time when Bell, uh, Summerby, and Franny Lee, uh, that tri- triumvirate, were, were uh, the, 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 the it factor for, uh, for Manchester City. Uh, Manchester City were the better club in Manchester in that period from the late 60s to uh, really the late 70s, about 10-year period city was better than united so uh yeah so i was thinking a lot about colin bell he said manchester city outlook yeah city uh, city looked pretty good uh john stones is uh is reborn uh, it, it appears uh maybe chris that he had some off the off the uh, pitch issues the last few seasons personal issues that have sorted themselves out uh, gordiola has given him one uh one chance after another uh because because he likes the kind of player he is right with playing with his feet, central defender, ball-playing defender. Uh, so he and then Foden coming good now. I think City look look very strong. Ultimately, it's tough uh, to win a title without a striker, though. So uh, if Manchester City, I think, have a good shot. But if Manchester City win the title, it may harbor a new kind of football. Because I don't remember a club winning a, a major European title without a striker that scored at least double-digit goals, right, in a season. And Manchester City, you're not going to have a number nine that scores 10 goals this season. Uh, the goals are coming from the Fodins and from the Raheem Sterlings and the Kevin De Bruyne's. Uh, uh, they're coming from midfield. Uh, or from wide areas, so that's uh, that that that's the outlook. I mean, I think City look very good. If I if I had a gun to my head, I'd say right now they're the best team in the Premier League. At the same time, knowing the history of this league, it's very difficult to see a team that doesn't have an actual number nine winning a title. So, um, that, I think right now we're the best team in the league. But again, uh, we don't have Cavani, we don't have uh, uh, Salah or Mane mm-hmm. or Jota when he comes back. We don't have we don't have that uh, or Rashford, right? We don't have a guy that you, you you play up top that scores a lot of goals. Yeah, the thing about Manchester City too is that they have a game in hand. So you mean looking at this weekend's games, you're looking at Liverpool against Man United. You mean if that's a if that's a draw, whether it's you mean nil nil or, or a um, a score draw. That one could give an opportunity for Man City with their game in hand, which is I think next Wednesday if they if they beat Palace this weekend, and then beat um, the midweek game next Wednesday. You mean you could see definitely them going to the top of the table. I, for, for, Look, for, I don't want to anger people here. Sorry, Chris, but uh, just uh, real quickly. But I know there's so many Liverpool fans out there. I, I'd be very surprised if Liverpool beat Manchester United, even though the match is at Anfield. I think right now United are a better team, and they, they, they're very good away from home. I actually expect United to take all three points in that match. It's amazing what a, what a kind of topsy-turvy season this has been, right? Because Man United, like, what, a month ago? Uh, especially in the Champions League, kind of uh, not uh, reaching the levels that everyone thought they would. And uh, you mean, like, basically, uh, it looked like Solskjaer was going to get sacked. And then you've got, you mean, you've had Southampton at the top of the table. You've had Everton at the top of the table, Liverpool at the top of the table. Now you have Man United, Man City's hot in their heels, as well as Liverpool, of course, and and then Leicester, Everton, etc. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, So it's... and sorry, that's the other thing I said actually on Twitter earlier this week was that I think Leicester have the best team in the league if you go 1-11. to 11. I think they're the best team in the Premier League. Wow. But they don't have the depth. And in this particular season with the quick turnarounds uh, and the fixture congestion and they're in Europa League, so they're playing on Thursdays, I, I just don't think they can do it because they, they're not deep enough. Uh, but 
if somehow Brendan Rodgers, by some miracle, keeps that team fit, 1-11, to 11, I think I think they have as good a shot as anyone. I just don't think they will stay fit. Well, it should certainly be a, an entertaining weekend, uh, for sure, with a lot of uh, matches to look forward to from around the world, no matter what league or competition you follow. And, and actually, if you follow African football, the African Nations uh, Championship uh, begins Saturday, and that's going to, that's going to be live on yep. BN Sports Extra, which is a free channel. Uh, all those games will be shown, including Morocco, uh, Libya, Mali, uh, Cameroon, etc. So th- there's certainly football from around the world. Definitely check out WorldSoccerTalk.com, which has all of the schedules, as well as the Soccer TV schedules app uh, on Google Play and Apple TV or App Apple uh, Apple Store. Uh, that has all the schedules too. In Kartik, for you, uh, what will you be doing this weekend and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. <laughs>